ಓಂ ಸಹನ ಸಹನೌಭುನಕ್ತು ಸಹ ವೀರ್ಯ ಕರವಾವಹೈ ತೇಜಸ್ವಿನಾವಧೀತಮಸ್ತು ಮಾವಿಷಾವಹೈ ಒನ್ ಮೋರ್ ಶಾಂತಿ ಮಂತ್ರ ವೆರಿ ನೈಸ್ ಟು ಹಿಯರ್ ಗೋಸ್ ಲೈಕ್ ದಿಸ್ ಸಾಮವೇದ ಮಂತ್ರ ಆಪ್ಯಾಯಂತು ಮಾಂಗಿ ಆಪ್ಯಾಯಂತು ಮಾಂಗಿ ಚಕ್ಷುಶ್ರೋತ್ರ ಇಟ್ಸ್ ಹಾರ್ಡ್ ಟು ರಿಮೆಂಬರ್ ವೆನ್ ಇಟ್ಸ್ ಯು ನೋ ಸ್ಪ್ಲಿಟ್ ಅಪ್ ಲೈಕ್ ದಟ್ ವಾಕ್ ವಾಂಡರ್ಫುಲ್ ವಾಕ್ ಪ್ರಾಣಶ್ಚಕ್ಷುಶ್ರೋತ್ರಮಥೋ ಬಲಮಿಂದ್ರಿಯಾಣಿ ವಾಕ್ ಪ್ರಾಣಶ್ಚಕ್ಷುಶ್ರೋತ್ರಮಥೋ ಬಲಮಿಂದ್ರಿಯಾಣಿ ಬ್ರಹ್ಮೌಪನಿಷದ ಮಾಹಂ ಬ್ರಹ್ಮಣಮಸ್ತು ಅನಿರಾಕರಣ ಮೇ ಅಸ್ತು ತದಾತ್ಮನಿರತೆಷತ್ಸು ಧರ್ಮಿ ಸಂತು ಅಟರೆನ್ಸ್ ಆಫ್ ದಿಸ್ ಮಂತ್ರ ಇಸ್ ಸಫಿಷಿಯಂಟ್ ಟು ಅವರ್ಟ್ ಸಫಿಷಿಯಂಟ್ಲಿ ಅವರ್ಟ್ ದಿಸ್ ಇಂಪಾಸ್ ದಟ್ ವಿ ಟಾಕ್ಟ್ ಅಬೌಟ್ ದಟ್ ದಟ್ ಅಲೌಸ್ ಒನ್ ಟು ಗೋ ಡೀಪರ್ ಐ ಎಕ್ಸ್ಪ್ಲೇನ್ ದ ಮೀನಿಂಗ್ ಲೇಟರ್ ಅಂಡ್ ವಿ ಕ್ಯಾನ್ chant it again as well so the impasse is merely this uh even though one makes a big deal out of the feelings and the emotions it's what they are fleeting you may say it is fleeting but it has been there for three lifetimes how is it <laughs> fleeting okay okay it's not fleeting it's fleeting <laughs> you know it's a feeling a feeling is that it's not the reality the reality is you know the reality check is already there the reality check is in the shlokas of the upanishads that has been studied for the nine classes plus yeah we'll say nine plus <laughs> nine classes nine years doesn't matter 
the reality is already there it's being iterated again in every class and the fact that the ears are not ready to hear shravanam has shut off mananam has shut off shows that there is the the, the very infrastructure that is wanting to be get gotten rid of is coming in the way that's what it is that's why it is plateaued flat lined you know lifeless flat line in the, you see in the monitor there is no brain wave flat line uh, that's what it is that apathy etc is part of the pattern and not knowing that the person enshrines that to be the truth and says whatever the upanishad says cannot be right because this is my direct experience you see how experience can mislead ah this is what it is so so the reality check has always to be in the light of the upanishads so nididhyasanam or in other words viparita opposite bhavana feelings nivritti removal has to be made constantly especially in the modern times i keep saying modern times because the ancient times was a different uh, dinacharya dinacharya means daily schedule you went from homa to i mean we are having one homa today they went from home to another homa back to home uh, homa in the home homa out of the home so they were never homaed out yeah i went to georgia once and uh, there is one small place where some lectures i give once in a while and there was one lady who was very eager all the time to come to the classes she had come to three times during my visit and when i went to the next time she wasn't there so i said oh where is uh, ratna what happened to her where is this lady she was so happy with the classes and everything so the host said with all due respect she said she swamied out because you are the third swami that has come into town in the last month she swamied out you know and that is the time for nididhyasana <laughs> really <laughs> really swamied out homard out vedantad out and so in the ancient times they were never swamied out they were never vedantad out you know because they went from they had a a, a very a, a vaidika life which is a strict schedule which would not allow whether i feel like a homa or not to get in the way it is what is to be done and what is to be done is to be prioritized because it is yoga it is karma yoga it's a way of worship the work itself is transformed into worship so i'm worshiping the whole day and for the one who is worshipful the whole day there is no chance of these kinds of recalcitrant emotions taking over there is no place there is no time that's why they did not need a big ragadvesha psychology that's why you know we waited for pujya swami ji to come and transform this because we needed it we need it now because now it's like anything goes when do you wake up when i feel like <laughs> or if you don't feel like i don't wake up simple 
and we we do this to the children what do you feel like and even if you don't do this to the children the children will definitely tell you what they feel like and what they don't feel like and these feelings you know which are so fleeting are, are enshrined this is the thing because when there is only mithya mithya means a dependent reality because the feelings are you know arising from and resolving into the ocean of sachidananda they are mere little waves that just lap the shores of insecurity that's all it is but we take them to be you know when when there is no satyam or not sufficient uh, resonance with that satyam when we refuse to believe that satyam is i mithya becomes satyam this is what happens i was told a story in the childhood this is a common indian story that there was a township a kingdom where they did not like the king the, the people the praja and they just said uh, you know they did not want anybody to be the king they were so sick of the king who was corrupt and who was all was terrible so they said it's better to have a dog as our king so they found one dog <laughs> and put a crown on it roadside dog you know moti every every dog in india is called moti <laughs> moti means pearl and so <laughs> they found one one uh, you know dog here dog and uh, put uh, put a crown and a cape on that dog and made it sit on the throne and told it sit it's that <laughs> and they did arati to it and they said from now when they put the crown did pattabhisheka and you know they said now from now on you are the king and it loved all the attention it wagged its tail a little bit sat down you know even more nicely because it was nice cushioned throne and it just sat there enjoying itself and then of course very soon the fanfare and all subsided you know they gave it things to eat they gave it naivedya to eat and they did arati to it and uh, did a little ceremony to establish it was the king then very soon it saw another dog its friend going <laughs> on the road what did it do it immediately got down threw off the cape the crown rolled off its head and then it joined the dog and both of them rolled in the dirt you know <laughs> and this is what happens when the feelings are enthroned ah, and enshrined and when the ahankara you know which should be listening to what listening to the guru instead is listening to the feelings and is put the feelings like this dog with this restless nature rajasic tamasic dog the the dog represents rajas and tamas when those feelings arising from the gunas of rajas and tamas are enshrined and put on the pedestal and allowed to run the ahankara the ahankara identifies with it and rolls in the dirt with it because it just that's where the feelings will take one and leave one feeling dirty that's really where it will go it's not good news and this is what is the bane of the west really 
and we can't really make a difference between west and india now because india is also going the same with the globalized times this is what it is busy 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 what doing what nothing you know spinning 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 and then me 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 mine 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 <laughs> my feelings you can't have them <laughs> and uh, and one finds a certain comfort in misery you know misery loves company and then you have a support group of everyone feeling bad and then that gets the feelings enshrined even more even more and the problem is this that when this is done for ages and when this has certain cultural backing of enthroning and enshrining the patterns to the level of reality and letting them run our lives then we have a kind of a uh, what should i say a sanction from the society to do that and that underscores the fact that this is real there is a societal sanction of course you should feel outraged and you should sit and stew in the outrage for centuries you are entitled this is the problem this entitlement entitlement to what at least have swarajyam <laughs> at least have you know some kind uh, be entitled to the mastery be entitled to the to the gifts of the upanishads that's where your entitlement lies but where is it exercised it's exercised in feeling miserable and being entitled to misery and outrage very sad extremely sad a state of affairs so this is on the collective level the patterns get a sanction to run their script you know sometimes the computers when they are out of order they keep running a script ah <laughs> that's how it is <laughs> sometimes i get a notice on my computer there is a defective script running should it stop or should it continue i say quickly stop it <laughs> Ah, who is going to stop the defective script running here when when it has got societal and sanction everybody says yes this is the way to go yes you should feel outraged yes you should feel upset yes you should do this yes you, you should do that and that is why we need nididhyasanam and that is why this has to be interrupted and vedanta is a very powerful interruption for this because this is on the level of the societal patterns that one has internalized everybody is feeling outraged therefore i have a right to be outraged but i am not outraged no that doesn't matter let me just be mad <laughs> this is what we do this is you know an instance of all the tarnished copper pots sitting in the room and deriving a kind of a morbid strength from one another <laughs> to feel miserable so that is one part a large part of why the patterns stay intact because there is not any kind of a social impetus to be able to you know unravel them and be courageous enough to look at them nobody wants to look at them and we are communal beings the human being is a communal being because one grows 
you know, one sees the mirroring in others and one grows as a result of that. And when other people are not growing, they're only groaning, they're not growing, <laughs> then there is no impetus. When we go back to Kathopanishad, Kathopanishad recognizes this very beautifully. Paranchikhani Vyatranat Swayambhuhu Parakpashyati Na Antaratman The Upanishad laments Paranchikhani, everybody is so outwardly focused. All the organs of action and the sense organs are focused outside. Nobody is ready to look within. Parak Pashyati, they just look outside. <laughs> quick thrills, quick distractions. Nobody wants to see anything that is lasting. And that which is lasting is within, not without, so to speak. But the eyes don't turn around. The eyes are always focused outside, 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 outside. Keep criticizing, keep, you know, engaging, keep criticizing, yet engaging. And then, Parak Pashyati, Na Antaratman, Antaratmanam, it should be, Antaratmanam Na Pashyati, Chandasam, it is poetic license for the Vedas. Doesn't look at, Antar means inside, doesn't look at the Atma within. So how to get rid of this impasse? How to come out of this? Who should I rely on and when will all the people inspire me? That will not happen, says the Upanishad. Kaschit dhiraha. One dhira. Dhira means the person who has not bought into these societal patterns of swimming downstream because it is convenient and doing all these things because everybody else is doing it. Kaschit dhiraha. Avritta chakshuhu whose eyes have undergone a revolution in vision. Avritta means revolution. One courageous and one discriminating individual who has undergone a revolution in their vision? Avritta Chakshuhu Amritatvam Ichan Desiring that immortal one uh, to know the immortal one as oneself embarks on this journey. It's the same journey that has been undertaken from ages. Not specific to, you know, we think, okay, this is just Upanishad and all. No, but it's a universal thing. Wherever you go in any society, you see, you know, change happens at the level of the individual. You know, it's mediocre to think that somebody else, everybody will inspire me and then I will change. That's the, you know, that's mass think. Everybody thinks that. One person is ready, one person has the courage and the discrimination to revolve the vision. Revolve the vision means what? Change the vision to match that vision of the Upanishads. That is what the courage and the discrimination lies. And set off on this lonesome journey. And other people say, oh, this person is so foolish. 
and even in the tarot cards the first card is the fool ah. <laughs> and if you look at it it's very pictorial you know here is this fellow like a sanyasi he's got a stick on his you know some kind of an androgynous being got a stick on on the shoulder a little bundle of whatever possessions and he she is walking off a cliff ah very brave but at the same time everybody thinks so foolish leaving the village or the hamlet or the settlement you see some in some cards you see some fire burning somewhere in the back what is more important is that there are these dogs tugging at the dress of this being calling the person back <laughs> you want to go forward but these dogs dogs stand for domesticated patterns they need not stand for individuals these are the own patterns that have, they are dogged that's what they are that's why they are dogs these dog these dogged patterns that are holding you back from within from without and they could also stand for specific people in the society in the family in the this thing they are holding the person back considering the person to be foolish you know because but there is a certain impetus to to change one's life and as soon as one begins the change until the change is actually earnestly begun you know nobody is threatened it's okay yeah little vedanta you go and study good you know <laughs> fine go 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 <laughs> oh this is getting serious no <laughs> come back <laughs> you know it's not easy as baking two cakes to have one and eat it too this is a slightly different ah this kind of a cooking is different <laughs> because it's a complete transformation and after the transformation you know there is no going back to that old you because that old you is not really you it never was and you know that more than anybody else you know the patterns have to do with and if you look at the patterns we don't have to look at individual patterns you know because we don't know sometimes even what they are but we get a lot of wisdom from looking at the universal and collective patterns and the patterns most of the time have to do with keeping things in place and not upsetting the boat even though it's it has sprung five six leaks <laughs> not upsetting the boat so one becomes an enabler in this pattern even though one is not maybe actively participating one is allowing this participation to take place you know the word enabler in modern psychology right codependent and enabler so either one is codependent or one is an enabler this is what it is so one enables by by succumbing to those patterns and those of others by allowing them to be and making that an excuse to not look at oneself this is where the attention should go and journaling is a very important way of being in touch with those patterns that are difficult to look at let them write 
Let them write themselves out. Ah, let them show you what they are. And if you are scared, you know, allow the fear to come. Have a cup of chai with the fear. <laughs> Because really speaking, one is afraid of fear. One is not afraid of what that, what that thing is. So after that, it will go away. It will. If you are able to face it, it goes away. And there is really nothing to get rid of, you know. Just the macrocosm has got snakes, scorpions, you know, dangerous things. We don't go killing and bashing every snake on the head, poor thing, or every alligator. No. We allow them to be in their spaces while not being afflicted by them, while not giving them to the power to afflict us. Same thing we do to the alligators and the seaweed and the snakes and the scorpions within. You know, these six emotions which are talked about, what are they? Kama, you know, unbridled, unmanaged, binding desires. Then, krodha, anger. And how does anger come? When the desire is thwarted, anger comes. Lobha, avarice, moha, delusion. Madha, pride, madsarya, jealousy. Yeah, that, that is, comes at the last because it's the hardest to get rid of. Even uh, Bhagavan Krishna describing the jnani, he says, Dvandvatito vimatsaraha. Dvandvatita means without a, the one who is without a second. And then he qualifies that vimatsaraha without jealousy. There was no need. Once you say there is no second, then what are you jealous of? But that jealousy is very difficult to overcome. And it comes again. The jealousy comes from feeling that I don't have enough. That's why I, I look at the other person's plate and immediately resent them for that. And when the pattern is too deep, one starts to plot their downfall. <laughs> ah. So, you know, these patterns are deep-seated because they have run their script again and again because we have let them because we don't know any better. We haven't known any better for so many lifetimes. And therefore, the script continues to run with, you know, unbridled, without any uh, interference, either from outside or within. But what, you know, what we learn from the Katha Upanishad and other Upanishads is that not only that it can be interrupted, it must be interrupted. And for that, one person has to be daring enough. Oh, but I'm not that person. <laughs> you don't have to be that person. Pujju Swamiji was already daring enough. You follow that. Huh? Nice, very safe. You don't have to reinvent the... What is that? Something you wheel, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's already been invented. Roll along. Yes. From here, when you drive to Portland, there is one uh, grass company and it advertises itself. We are just rolling along. <laughs> Keep rolling along, you know. 
there is a lot of impetus already if we look when we look with slightly different eyes we see that people are already making a change there are few and far between no doubt but still there is there is that inspiration so the patterns have to do with not upsetting the state of affairs based on fear the patterns have to do again with not giving up what i think i have in terms of love and connection and recognition so one becomes very very addicted to those things fame name love acceptance approval recognition you just you can go on and on on those lines and even if it's the most dysfunctional aspect of society or dysfunctionality a dysfunctional aspect of a relationship that's giving me this i'm not going to question this because at least i'm getting this this much this is what the this is what is the whole uh, problem because one gets addicted to the dysfunction because one doesn't know any better one has to pry oneself by having the reality check of the shastras and we'll talk about it in much more practical terms briefly after this so one has to pry one has to be daring enough to take the leap into self acceptance from seeking approval one has to be daring enough to take the leap from you know self judgment to self approval because that self judgment and insecurity places a very big ends up placing a very big premium on other people's approval and other people's approval is not easy to get don't think everybody is saying oh tathastu well wonderful ayushman bhava nobody is saying that you have to work very 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 hard for even one person's approval ah yes whether it's the brother or the significant other or whoever it is you have to work very very hard and work hard means what you know do things that are not in your highest best interest that's what i mean by working hard working hard doesn't mean playing a few tricks sit roll over and <laughs> turn around and wag your tail no it's not just that do things that are contrary to your nature as described in the upanishads and forget the upanishads as you yourself deeply know who you are that sachidananda is you are aware of that that's why the upanishad resonates because there is a certain familiarity that 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 is where it there is a meeting point of the words of the upanishad in the space of the heart because the heart is already open to it and why is the heart open to it because it recognizes it as the truth that's why the heart is open to it otherwise you know who will sit and listen you are the whole you don't need anybody you know nobody will sit and listen to it unless you know that to be true and in the supta avastha in sleep you know that to be true who seeks approval in sleep no one <laughs> who is dogged by self judgment in sleep 
No one. Until I sleep, yes. But that, that's not what we are talking about. In sleep, who is dogged by self-judgment? No one. Either in Vedanta class or outside. No self-judgment in sleep. In sleep, who is worried about, you know, what anybody thinks? No one. So that itself is a very big, I mean, and eight hours hopefully are spent, are spent in sleep. And in the, that time, not counting Vedanta classes, <laughs> in that times, those are just naps. So <laughs> in that portion of time, when one is asleep, one sees something very, very, very important. One sees that there is a very big discrepancy in, in my waking life and in my sleep life. In sleep there is nothing but shanti and tripti, contentment. There is peace and contentment. Ah, ha, ha. That's why everybody loves to go to sleep and nobody wants to wake up because that's the only way I feel that shanti can, and contentment will continue. That relaxation, one doesn't know relaxation other than sleep. That's why one sleeps in Vedanta class because it's so relaxing. Very relaxing. And so, this is what the whole thing is. That itself, there should be the, that vyabhichara, there is a contradiction between how I behave in my waking state and how, you know, what happens in the sleep state. That itself should be cause for concern because in sleep I'm not going around enabling others. In sleep I'm not a codependent. In sleep I'm not trying to assuage other people's patterns so that they pay attention to me. In sleep I'm not begging for scraps of approval. In sleep I, I'm not criticizing myself or others. In sleep I'm just so content, so peaceful. Is that my nature? Or is this querulous, complaining, fearful, tearful being fighting with the universe constantly in order to get something out of it every single day? Is that my real nature? Naturally, that one rejects that. You ask anybody anywhere in any language, do you want to be a complaining being? And they will complain about it. <laughs> what is wrong with your life? I'm too complaining. That's the complaint. <laughs> I don't have you know, freedom from complaints. And I don't want to complain. I just want to be plain. I, you know, I don't want to have all these things. You ask somebody, are you happy with being a self-judging individual? Absolutely not. Do you like seeking approval from your boss and, you know, either at home or at work? And, you know, do you like seeking approval constantly from friends and from people that you, you know, co-workers and uh, acquaintances? No, it is so sickening. <laughs> do you love judging yourself constantly? in the light of other people's opinions about you? Of course not. You ask in any language. So if that were my real state, if that was my nature, svabhavasya nanivrittihi, there is no going away from... Nature means what? That which doesn't change. So that cannot be my nature because it is constantly I am 
you know, rejecting it. But I'm embracing the contentment and the absence of criticism of others and myself in sleep. That should show me, that should, you know, forget Vedanta and what you have studied. That inner wisdom from the daily experience of sleep should be, you know, a wake-up call. (laughs) Ah, Sleep should be a wake-up call. Why? Because in sleep, you see that there is just nothing but oneness. And that same oneness I crave in the waking state and it is so elusive, the only way to get it is to promptly go to sleep. (laughs) How to get that oneness without going to sleep? Guru Sharanam, that's all. (laughs) Sharanam means refuge in the pramana, refuge in the teachings, but I've already studied. Yes, refuge in the words of the teacher and the teachings. Mm. You know, I've said this example before. When the cow is let out for the grass time, pasture time, it doesn't know how long it has. It has no sense of time. It knows it's hungry and it knows any time this farmer can put it back in the shed. So what does it do? It immediately goes, nibbles, 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 grazes, grazes. And then the farmer hasn't come back. Oh, I seem to have a lot of time. Sits because it hasn't digested anything. It hasn't assimilated anything. It's just, you know, made the stomach a storehouse of the grass. Undigested green grass. Then it ruminates. Ah. we, We call it, you know, choose the cud. So the grass that was eaten without chewing, basically first it mowed the lawn. That's all it did. (laughs) It mowed the pasture. And then it sits under a tree and recalls that, regurgitates that and then chews it and then sends it to another stomach, a deeper stomach, from where it doesn't come out. Ah, that's important. And that's what a happy-go-lucky student of Vedanta in the beginning does. Oh, there's a class there? Let me go. Another class? Wonderful. Oh, a retreat? Let me not just go, let me organize it. (laughs) Fierce, wonderful, great, let me do that. And then what? You know? Oh, <laughs> now what? <laughs> Nothing seems to have changed. Why did not anything change? Because I, the same orientation which I was having towards my waking state and the world, that something from outside will come and pluck me out of this and take me. You know, what is that savior mentality which has been the cause of many mainstream, the, the birth of many mainstream traditions in the world. Come to me, I will save you. Between save and slave, there is only one letter missing. (laughs) Yes, this is unfortunately true. What can save? Nothing can save. Other than the philosophy of the Upanishads which says you don't need to be saved. Why? Because you are already saved. Look at the sleep state. 
Your true nature is that of an uncomplaining, contented being. An appreciative, non-demanding, contented being. Forget Satchitananda and highfalutin' words. Just write these down. Appreciating, <laughs> contented, non-complaining being. That is your nature. Anything other than this is not you. Simple. Really. That's all we have to understand. That's all we have to see. That's all we have to live. So like the cow who was hungry for the grass and then after that sat down to enjoy the wheat grass juice later, you know. The mastication goes this way for the cow. Not like this, it goes this way because it has a juicer. The, jo- <laughs> the jaws are a, are a built-in juicer. Huh? Like this it goes, not yeah, not like our movement. It goes sideways because it's a built-in juicer. It doesn't have to pay $100 to buy a juicer and then put the kale in. Kale along with a kela. Kela means banana. <laughs> Somebody offered to make me this smoothie. Huh? And uh, they said, uh, I'll put kale. And uh, I just, I, I didn't say yes or no. I just said, uh, yeah. Didn't show enthusiasm. But this is a macrobiotic being, you know, doesn't need any enthusiasm to go forward. (laughs) Wanted to keep the teacher healthy and uh, raw food and all that. And uh, so then said, I will also put spinach. And uh, I will also put some mustard greens and do this. And I think she saw my face. Then I'll put one banana. (laughs) Half a banana, not one. Half a banana to sweeten it. You know, it's like, uh, it's like, uh, what is that, you know? Putting one grain of sugar (laughs) in something. So kale or kela, kela means banana. So whether it's kale or kela, the the cow, you know, makes its own juice. And what does it juice? It doesn't need new grass. That same grass it brings out and juices and enjoys the juice a second time by itself, in silence, in solitude, happily. This is what is called Nididhyasanam, contemplation, bringing forth the words of the Upanishad, which have been studied, which have been enjoyed, which have been understood. And then now what? Now what do I do? I enjoy them again and assimilate them. This is Nididhyasanam. You know, but I don't know Sanskrit, I don't know the words of the Upanishad. See, look at the excuses. These are patterns. Oh, Sanskrit, if I just look, who remembers what the teacher taught and who, I, you know, but there are talks, you can listen to the CD, oh, CD, Shmidi, who wants to, you know, 
CD sound is should be spelt S E E D Y C D and you know <laughs> who wants to listen to a CD CD you know I don't want to I don't have the time to even put it in I don't have the motivation I don't have the inspiration I don't want to have anything to do with the teacher or with the teachings this is the feeling that's the pattern that's why I told you forget Sanskrit. Forget Tattvamasi, forget Aham Brahmasmi, forget all the Mahavakyas. Just go back to the basic, what you find in sleep, a non-demanding, what else? Appreciative, contented, non-complaining being. If there is any discrepancy between that and your behavior, it is cause to go back to that. Go back to that. No, but I can't not complain. Okay, but you cannot talk, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, but I have to complain. Yeah. Go to some far away place. Lots of wild uh, parks and places are there. Go complain there to the trees. They are very patient. They listen. Redwoods love complaints. They will listen. They will absorb it also. Write it out. Journal it. Tear it up. Release. You know. Release it somewhere without where you can do it safely without targeting yourself or others. That is the release. Release it. That is how one deals with the complaints. Appreciative. I don't feel appreciative at all. I feel depreciative. <laughs> I don't feel like appreciating others or even myself. You know? This is where Pujya Swamiji's, you know, famous advice. What is that? Fake it. Ah, fake it and make it. You're not really faking it. Because that is the truth. You're faking it to think that you're faking it. Ah. <laughs> In fact, what you're doing right now is faking it, but not making it. Ah. Whole life is a fake when one is constantly querulous, constantly discontented, because it's, it, it takes a burden. It takes a burden physically because the body cannot handle that. Body cannot handle that. It will start rebelling. The stomach usually starts to talk. You know, it says, I can't stomach this <laughs> state of affairs. And even Ayurveda, Chinese medicine, they all stay, say all the diseases begin in the gut. Because I don't have the guts to change. <laughs> huh? So, do oneself a favor. We do ourselves a favor. We help ourselves. You know, forget Sanskrit, forget Mahavakya, forget big, big, you know, what unmemorizable verses of Viveka Chudamani and this and that and all these things. Forget all that. Forget, you know, Teacher, forget Parampara, forget Pujya Swamiji, forget everything. Go back to the basics. Ask yourself every morning, am I being true to my nature, which is that of an appreciative, what? Non-demanding, 
contented being appreciative also means non complaining yeah just that those are the words that is our mahavakya for today that is the mahavakya of the day if you are an appreciative non demanding non complaining contented being that is the translation of the word sachidananda that's what it is so manufacture a delight that you don't feel that <laughs> everything and everybody starting with a significant other oh. because that's the hardest it's the hardest to do because you the person that you're living with you have the most complaints about all their omissions and commissions are of course glaring and then your omissions and commissions you transfer on to them and they are doubly glaring <laughs> double dose of ocs making one ocd <laughs> this is what has to be done every single day and then we we have to practice looking at the world with the eyes of a unhurt small child a child that has not had a you know some traumatic experiences a child that is simply there and you see that you see that they are willing to forgive and you see that they are willing to just take things as they are you feel, see that they are appreciative and if the basic needs are met they are not demanding that comes later that's why it's called terrible threes or something like that <laughs> terrible twos what before that you know and that is a spontaneous expression of that that dynamic sachidananda there is a there is a latent sachidananda as in sleep as in the nature that is powering one's being and then that sachidananda that dynamic form of ananda is love really and this love it was not really talked about at all in vedanta until pujya swami ji came you know to the teaching arena and wrote a book discovering love <laughs> he loves it <laughs> so he dropped a flower that's why everybody is excited so you know read that book it's really a timeless book discovering love order it read it and read it with the family members read it together every night before going to bed so that when you wake up that discovering love is just resonating somewhere you know even if you have fallen asleep it will be there yeah so that's what it is the dynamic form of this non demanding appreciative contented non complaining being that is you is the one that is just lovable because it is all love that's the that's what it is but i don't feel loving today it's okay it's a it's it's, it's a thought it's a feeling it's not you but i don't know how to become loving you don't have to become loving <laughs> everything that's unloving has to be falsified for that again kaschit dhiraha avritta chakshu 
Amritatvam, it can go back to what you want, go back to why you attended your first Vedanta class, go back to appreciative, non-demanding being. This is, this is what it takes. Repeated doing this will help clear the way to reconnect to the teachings and the teacher if the quest has not been complete. Because otherwise it's very hard to relate to the teacher and it's very hard to trust the teachings because the same distrust is coming in the way and that was what the first talk was. Somehow it is all connected, isn't it, this time? Yeah. So it's very hard to connect to the teacher and the teachings when all of this is in the way. When I'm, when I'm complaining, discontented, non-appreciative being, demanding being, how will the teaching come in? How will I look at the teacher without demanding? You know? How will, I, how will the teachings go through the wall of discontent that I have painstakingly put up? And I'm not willing to take down because it has taken a lot of effort. <laughs> and three lifetimes I have put up this wall. I'm not going to let the teacher destroy this wall because I have put, taken a lot of time. So Ahankara does very sneaky things. It's like a trapeze artist. It swings from nerve to nerve. <laughs> and, uh, uh, it's not that we are trying to do away with the ego. The ahankara has, is to be tamed, huh? domesticated by the by the by shamadama self discipline, and by the allow so that it's uh, it it sits in one place and allows to listen to the teaching. That is what is a comely ahankara. And it allows itself to be guided by the teachings rather than the feelings. Ah, that buddhi stands for teaching. So the ahankara, you know, is guided by the buddhi rather than the chittam, not chit. Chittam means the emotional baggage which runs its script, its destructive script again and again and again relentlessly. That's the thing. And a simple exercise, you know, back to the practicalities of things, to ward off this uh, script from ruining the day and taking over the day is to wake up and before the thoughts flood the psyche, what is today? Oh, what do I have to do? Oh no, before those kinds of thoughts flood the day, you tell yourself, first thing in the morning, what will you tell yourself? I am what? An appreciative, non-demanding, contented, non-complaining being. Starting with my own body, say that. Ah. And going all the way to the furthest, further, furthest galaxy. I'm an appreciating, appreciating being, contented being, loving being, non-complaining being, non-demanding being. And then, 
the body that can barely get out of bed does a miracle when you say this a compromised arthritic body that can barely get out of bed you know not that it will start to scale mountains pangum langhayate girim not that we don't you know but there is a meaning there that means that the the mind overrides this ah the ahankara doesn't go with the complaining you know yes there is pain yes it is dragging itself around but at least it is there to drag itself around imagine if you didn't have a body you know somewhere you'll be floating nobody will notice already nobody is noticing no <laughs> nobody will even notice you're there and then you just waft into a vedanta class and then you're trying to say guru i want self knowledge because i messed up last time you know preta sharira subtle body only is there nobody can see teacher also cannot see and you don't have a mouth to ask for the knowledge and you know and you can't sit and listen because there are no ears and somehow you have to you know it's not it's not fun the body is a vehicle for moksha that's why the prayer starts apyayantu mamangani you know avatu may it protect this body even this you know mad body dragging body painful body non working body but still it's there it's a vehicle you know some people have mercedes and some people have uh, you know <laughs> things that barely run <laughs> but it gets you to the store enough yeah gets you to the market of choice enough and back <laughs> the market of the choicest upanishads enough gets you to class and back enough oh but those people have mercedes benz let them have what are they doing with it they keeping on polishing it every day well, where does it go where does it go your body is enough because it's just drip dry come out of the shower stand in the sun enough you don't need any other maintenance ha huh? you know it's like polyester clothing drip dry you don't have to iron it you don't have to keep on wiping and waxing and polishing and you know rubbing and scrubbing and oh you know you can't go into this kind of car wash because it will hurt it you can't do this you have to do this and then it costs so much money to upkeep you know because it is also uh, what is that you know special this is just a general you know janata body general body It's enough. Let it drag around. So what? So what? You know. <laughs> Make it into a yoga yatana rather than a bhoga yatana. A yatana means a vehicle for yoga rather than bhoga. No, but I can't even do down dog. We are not talking. <laughs> Speaking of dogs, you know, I can't even do down dog. We are not talking of asanas. We are talking of yoga of non-complaining, yoga of practicing being an appreciative, non-demanding, uncomplaining, contented being. That is the yoga, and for that you need a body. Apya yantam mangani. so all the organs of actions let them let them do this let them be okay it's a prayer 
So prayer from the Upanishad is very holy, very, very sacred. Vak, yeah, very important. Vak means what? The way you walk. Huh? No, the <laughs> Vak, speech. Yeah, speech is very important because they give the words, uh, you know, to the thoughts. And they make the unreal real. You say three, four times, I feel sick, I feel sick, I feel sick. Suddenly you will have fever. I, 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 you try this. Try this at home on a weekend. When you, <laughs> when you don't have anywhere to go and nothing to do. Just say, I have so much pain. Ayo, it's paining here. Ayo, it's paining there. Ayo, I can't get up. Oh, I have a heart condition. <laughs> And suddenly you will develop palpitations. If they are not there. If they are there already, then they will become more. Then you say, oh, I think I should check my blood pressure. Then it will say, oh my God, it can't even register. <laughs> it's become so high. Oh no. Everything is like that. Everything is like that. And so, you know, therefore, walk, very important what is it that you articulate? Am I articulating non-judgment, uncomplaining, appreciation for everything, including myself? Am I articulating the contentment that I am or am I articulating repeatedly the viparita bhavana, the discontentment all the time? That is the reality check. Start at the beginning of the day. Check this out. Vak, prana, the way one breathes. There is a rajasic breathing which is called hyperventilation. <laughs> there is a tamasic breathing. Uh, too hard to breathe. Inhale. Uh, exhale. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tamasic breathing is where the exhales are just sighing all the time. <laughs> so, the breathing also expression of that, that vibrant, dynamic, uncomplaining, appreciative, contented, non-demanding being. And then what? You know? Vak pranaha chakshuhu. Yes. As soon as you look at the house, oh no, it's terrible. Why do I live here? You know? <laughs> oh, I don't know why it's so crowded. Other people's houses are so nice. Mine has got so many things. I think I should get rid of everything. But then, you know, I live with other people and most of the things belong to the others. So what do I do? <laughs> Maybe I should leave. Maybe I should stay. Appreciative. What you look. That's why they say the glance of the Devatas, it's called, uh, you know, it's called a, you know, Nibhekshana uh, or uh, what is that called, you know, uh, how do you translate that? Nibhekshana means a, a benevolent uh, glance, loving, benevolent glance. When you see the glance of the Buddha in meditation, you know, there is no tension in the eyes. You see the devatas, there is no tension. You know, there is only attention. There is no tension. So that is the kind of glance I develop. 
Yeah. The furrow in the brows is gone. <laughs> I develop that glance. First I apply it towards myself. I look upon myself with kindness and when I look upon with myself with kindness that's all that is needed because the whole jagat is sitting right here. Right here is the jagat. That's enough. Most of the job is done. When you look upon yourself with kindness then the whole world starts to change its color. And the whole world st- and then you see the whole world populated with appreciative non demanding <laughs> contented non complaining beings huh? if all is right with me all is right with the world everything starts here and stops here vak prana chakshu shrotram same thing listening hearing balam let my strength be used in the right way for the teachings to prosper within this body mind complex indriyani cha sarvani all the organs of actions which haven't been talked about here let them also be in service of this teaching in service of you ishvara so that i know that i am you why sarvam brahmau padishatam upanishadam Upanishad means Upanishad. Aupanishadam, born of the Upanishads. Sarvam, all that is here is born of that Brahman, which is born of the Upanishad. Brahman is not born out of the Upanishad. The knowledge of Brahman is born out of the Upanishad. Brahman is Aja, unborn. Brahman is you. Sarvam Brahma Upanishadam. This Brahman which is known to me through the words of the upanishad let me see everything as that loving unconditioned you know uncomplaining non demanding appreciative being very important this part you can memorize and say in the mornings maham brahma nira kuryam maham brahma nirakuryam mama brahma nirakarot this much you can say maham brahma ma means may I not ma means don't so may I not what brahma nirakuryam negate this reality that this whole jagat including this body mind sense complex is an appreciative huh? what non demanding contented uncomplaining conscious being oh. <laughs> may i not deny this reality may i never go to the place where i deny this reality because that would be a very sad situation and the next line mama brahma Nirakarot. May Brahman never deny me as an uncomplaining, unconditional, unconditionally loving, non-demanding, appreciative being. Why will Brahman deny? Brahman means Bhagavan. Why will Bhagavan deny me? Bhagavan won't deny me. It's my own projection. 
where the words of the Upanishad, the words of the Guru, and where Ishvara stops speaking to me, where I feel abandoned by the teachings. Ah, may that never happen. Mama Brahma Nirakarot. Mama Brahma Nirakarot. Maham Brahma Nirakuryam. Yeah, these two things, sentences you say. And then you know the meanings. That itself is Nididhyasana. Anirakaranam astu means let there be all around non-negation. I am negating negation here of all kinds. <laughs> Anirakaranam astu and let there be no, you know, let there be negation of all negativity for me. Anirakaranam me astu. Let me not negate anything. Let there be no negation of the truth. Let me not negate anything. And then, you know, how will I not negate all these truths of the Upanishad? How will be I in, in sync and in tandem with the truths of the Upanishad? It says that, you know, Mahamama Anirakaranam astu anirakaranam me astu tad atmani nirate yad, yad Upanishad su dharmaha Te mai santu. Those qualifications that make me be in a place of contentment, non-opposition, acceptance, appreciative stance and an unconditionally loving place. Those qualifications that help me to do that are where in the Upanishads, Shamadama, Upariti, Titiksha, Shraddha, Samadhanam, all these things that we constantly talk about. Upanishads, Dharmaha, those dharmas, those attributes which help me to not negate, which are again described in the Upanishad. You know, Nirate Atmani, let them be there in me unstoppably. Ah. Without a pause. Let them not just go away. Let all those adhikaritvam lessons from the past of a resolved mind and letting go and shraddha and all these things. Trust all these things. Let them be there constantly. Nirate. Te mai santu. Let them be in me. Te mai santu. Let them abide in me. Because when they abide in me, then I am a... It's easy to be a non-demanding, appreciative, uncomplaining, contented, conscious being. Ah. This is what is Nididhyasanam. Do it again and again and again and again and again and again. Till it becomes... Not your second nature, your first nature. Huh? Because that is your nature. That is your nature. And on the days, you are not feeling, you are feeling contrary to this. Recognize it as Viparita Bhavana. Don't put it on the throne. So just recount what happened to the dog that was made the king of the city. And, you know, just... Don't, sometimes, you know, it's good to work with the pattern. Sometimes it could, it's good to starve it. Hmm? 
Sometimes, you know, there are tumors that grow in strange places in the body that are inoperable. You can't go and cut and operate because they are, it happens to be in the brain or it happens to be along with so many nerves and things which are important, you can't cut everything. So doctors have devised a way. They do this with fibroids as well. So these kinds of fibrous tumors, what you know, they are bad and dangerous because they feed off the nutrients of the body. So the doctors have devised a way where they just put something, they send a catheter to the mouth of this tumor and just stop it, cauterize it right there so that no blood is flowing, no food is going to the tumor and then it shrivels up eventually and dies off. Of course, it causes a lot of pain when it does that. <laughs> Same thing with the patterns. You know, starve them on bread and water, dry bread and water. Don't give them all the vital vittles and let them sap your strength. Don't give it the time of the... Change the channel. Change the channel, you know. I'm sick of this channel. I'm sick of the rerun here. The same thing. You know, giving a new name to rerun. Yeah. I'm sick of this. Change the channel. And what does it entail in the life? Go do something else. Take a break. Go do something different. Often it's just that. Get up from the place, from the house. Go do something else. And usually it is the reaching out actions that help you to, you know, reset this button to understand that you are an appreciative, non-complaining, non-demanding, contented and conscious being. Yeah, we just need to reach out. And yesterday we, you know, talked about how to reach out. You know, sometimes it's very difficult because we don't have the time in our lives. So yesterday at dinner I was saying, you know, start with a pet rock. Reach out to it. <laughs> they sell these, you know, everybody is making money. So they draw one heart over, paint one heart over the rock and sell it as a pet rock. Then one gra graduates to Chia Pet. You reach out to that, water it, and it does a few things. I don't know what. It's a flaxseed pet. And then what? Potted plant. Yeah. <laughs> then you go to potted plant. You know, little more things. You know, and water and sunlight you show. Because you have to come out of this, uh, you know, sickening feeling inside. The only way is to reach out to something else. And you can't do big time charity because, you know, you don't have the, you know, uh, space for it in the heart or in the pocketbook. So therefore, <laughs> you know, potted plant it is. You care for it. And then you graduate to what? What did I say yesterday? Fish. Yeah. Here, little more. Sunlight, water and feeding is required maybe once or twice a week you have to put some food in, in the tank and clean the tank and all these things. Fish. And then if you are able to manage the fish, then what? After that? Yeah, and here I, I have to make a note. I have uh, cut out all the reptilian and the rodent family because I really don't think we, need, we should keep them as pets. Yeah, they're not meant, they're meant to be in the wild. Snakes, scorpions, turtles and uh, rats and uh, guinea pigs. Yeah. So we'll skip to kitty. Uh. Kitty also takes care of itself. That's why, you know, it just, uh, it doesn't care whether you're there or not most of the time. Even if it cares, it doesn't show. 
then after that doggy ah with more, much more care much more it needs you much more than the cat and then what you go back to the pet rock call it shiva shivalinga <laughs> this time with understanding ha <laughs> ah. i saw it is that's why the ancients never bothered with pet rock they went to straight to shiva if you are a shaivite or saligrama another kind of pet rock with little insignia of vishnu ah, very nice has the same thing so go back to the altar the altar is the drawing board from where you draw the inspiration to continue to be an appreciative uncomplaining non demanding contented being yeah conscious being this is what it is you know we help ourselves and then we have the impetus to help others as well and sometimes it is by helping others we'll help ourselves sometimes we help ourselves and then we reach out to others but this reaching out is important because otherwise one festers in all this you know uh, yeah mind chatter that is contrary to who you are to reach out help out look you know there's lot of people hurting in pain in sorrow it doesn't take money sometimes it doesn't even take a time just a kind word and you know just an acknowledgement yes i see that you're having a hard day just a smile you know that i i was uh, reading somewhere that the inuit greeting you know the inuits how they greet one another is by saying you know they, they don't have a greet they never had a greeting it was just smiling at one another and recently i mean few centuries ago they started to the greeting is i smile at you that is the greeting i smile at you you are frowning doesn't matter i still am smiling at you is it 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 taking care of something other than oneself forces one to grow up to be the truth really and grow out of these feelings which threaten to overpower and overwhelm and finally you know there's something to be said of gratitude thankfulness for having a body even though it's a draggy body ah thankfulness that one is in in a position to breathe one is in the position to notice things in the jagat and you know in in a way vedanta doesn't talk about thankfulness because really speaking it is one's nature but it is something that is emphasized uh, these days by modern psychology and uh because in vedanta in, in in the indian culture there is really no word for thank you or sorry it's a thankless and unapologetic culture <laughs> and it's on purpose because you know who are you going to thank and for what because everything comes from bhagavan but here it's not so much perhaps we shouldn't use the word gratitude so much as an acknowledgement that everything is given and that appreciation is directed towards that ishvara which has given everything 
And nowadays they talk a lot about living in gratitude. That's what they mean, you know, even though they haven't studied the Upanishads. There's something to be said about that. The more thankful I am, the more I am in sync with the truth of my nature. Which is? <laughs> Appreciative. Contented, conscious, aware, alert, loving, unconditionally. Om Purnamadav Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyate Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnamivavashishyate Om Shanti 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 Harihi Om Shri Gurubhyo Namaha Harihi Om